great. So what we're going to do is we get um, or we're just going to continue with our theme on Mark. So so that you know, there's a book Mark. You get the plan words there. So we are this week. We're in chapter five. So the idea is for the next two two and a half months, we're going to spend time in the Word of God. Why? Because this is the thing that's been there for two thousand more than two thousand years, and it's been the bedrock of Christianity of our faith. And people that have lived according to this, they've had success in the most difficult times. We think COVID is difficult. It was a lot more difficult serving Jesus under, for instance, a king like Nero. They were killed for serving Jesus. You can still come here with a mask and everything. So we want to listen to what the Word's saying, and we want to study Mark. So I have the privilege of taking you from chapter 6, verse 7, till Mark 8 verse 10, and we're going to look and go through that. Great. So the first section that we dealt with, and Luke did a great job of that, is we looked at the new king. Jesus is a new king. The gospel of Mark 1 verse 1, it starts off by saying that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he's not talking about somebody, a historical figure. He's saying, hey, there was a man, but he was also the Son of God. So there's a new king. And it's the good news about the new king. And then last week, we looked at the kingdom. So God didn't only send Jesus to preach a good message for us to have a good feeling, but He also said to them, hey, introduce them to my world. So Jesus arrived and He said, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, my world, my reality that trumps your reality, by the way, I'm bringing it with. And everything that is a reality in this world, heaven, where God lives, you now have access to through me. And the way that we get into the kingdom of heaven, Luke did a great job by saying, hey, it's about repentance. It's about saying, hey, let's walk away from following our own idols, our selfish desires, and let's move towards Jesus so that we can have the fullness and experience the fullness of His kingdom. And we said, hey, the kingdom is like a seed. It's as a small beginning, but it has endless potential because the seed become a tree and then more seed and then more trees. And this is the seed that we receive from Jesus. And then once we all get born again, once we apply faith to the word of God, we are obedient. We do the work like what Luke was saying. We go out and we just be faithful to what the word says. Then we'll see this kingdom growing. And uh, I think we live in the most privileged time ever because we actually have the ability to see darkness and light and the war very, very clearly. Who of you in the last couple of months saw, hey, listen here, um, I've seen people that have built under sand and everything, their foundation has been taken away underneath them. Who of you have seen people like that? And some of them are coming to Jesus. That is beautiful. That's amazing. Sometimes we need a shaking to understand that the ground or the foundation that we built, the house we built, wasn't built on the rock. But those of you now have gone through COVID, through this terrible time for the world, and you're still faithful, you're still blessed, can say to yourself, well done, I've built on the rock, let's keep on building on the rock. And there's many other people that will flock to you as you, as you just start building and, and keep on advancing God's kingdom from this place of a steady and a solid foundation, which is obviously Jesus Christ as portrayed in, in the Bible. 
Great. So we're going to start with Mark 6. And I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures there. Because this for me is what inaugurates a, a new order. So this is the order that Jesus wants to establish. And uh, once we take hold of this order, we're going to see a lot of fruit. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. So he went to Secunda, he went to George. He's, he's doing his thing. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So he's saying, hey, listen here. I'm going to get a group of guys together and I'm going to tell them what to say, but I'm going to give them something more than just words. I'm going to give them the authority that I have. Because all authority belongs to Jesus and to God. The, the kingdom in heaven, there's just one God. God's not really intimidated by the devil, by the way. There's no show off. There's no MMA fight between God and the devil. It's not even happening. The devil pitches up for the fight and already lost. So we, and we must get our theology right on that. So now, now this God... He comes in the form of a man and he says, I want to establish my kingdom and my new order through people. And they cho he chose 12. And last, last week we said 12 represents the old covenant, but then he's bringing it into the new covenant. In the old covenant, it, it was these amazing, these tribes of Israel. The new covenant, just normal people, you and me. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to send you out and I'm going to give you authority over impure, impure spirits. And then they went out. So that's, that's the next step. Once you've heard the word, you need to start going out with the word. You need to obey the word. They went out and preached that people should repent. In other words, turning away from their lifestyles, whatever they're following, towards Jesus. In verse 13, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Seems so simple. So normal people gets the authority of Jesus and they go with it and all they do is they take a little bit bottle of oil and they just anoint people and people get healed and spirits go out. It's amazing. No, normal people like you and me. So if you, if you want to follow Jesus, you are included in this assignment. Jesus now is sending you out. He's saying, hey, you have authority. Now go and do it. And we can follow what they, they've done and we're going to do it at the end. We're literally going to anoint people with oil. And we're going to trust your whatever physical illness or even demonic thing that you're struggling with. We're going to trust the Lord delivers you from that. You guys keen for that? Great. So there's a new order with new enforcers. Then we also see that, that Mark's taking us through this journey of the old order that is now dead. John the Baptist, then the next section chapter 16, 14, 29, gets beheaded. And we know that in, in Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus said this of John the Baptist, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So this is a very profound statement. It says, of all the prophets that lived in the Old Testament, and John the Baptist is actually living in the Old Testament, although it's the New Testament, the new covenant only starts when Jesus gets raised from the dead. So from all, all the Old Testament prophets, John the Baptist, he is the absolute greatest. 
Because he prepared the way for the king. He inaugurated Jesus' reign. That's, that's why he was the absolute greatest. But then Jesus says, but you know what? Because of what I'm going to do, because of my death on the cross and my resurrection, I'm going to up, open up this new world to you, the kingdom of God, this new order, and you can walk into that. And the least in the kingdom of God, those people who just said yes on a, on a fiercest fear camp 10 years ago and never followed Jesus but still kept their faith, sort of, they are greater than John the Baptist. Because the reality that Jesus brings into earth overwhelms the reality of that was currently reigning. It's so much greater because God's will is so much higher. It's such a high level that you never imagine the kind of power that we have once we have access to that world and the resources that are available. So do you get this? Because it's a very important point that for, for today's lesson, for this, for this section's to, to understand what God's saying. So he says a new order, new normal people that he's going to choose, he's going to send them out, and he's going to send them out under, under his authority. In other words, they are greater than John the Baptist. He just chose 12 people, normal people, and he is making them greater than the greatest Old Testament prophet. It's, it's crazy. And he's saying tonight to all of you, you are included in that. You can literally say, from a biblical point of view, that you are greater than John the Baptist. That would not be a lie. That would not be blasphemy. Great. If you, if you follow Jesus, that is. And then he also, he then starts doing things that, that the Israelites who'd, who'd remember Moses did. He feeds the people. Moses, he fed the people in the desert called Manna down, manna came, and they were, they were fed. It feeds 5,000. And we see how many baskets were left over after the 5,000 were fed. 12. So 12 baskets are left over after they were fed, which also refers back to the old covenant, the 12 re representing covenant, saying, hey, this is now the new order. And then something very significant in this, in this story is that Jesus also revealing how he wants to establish this new order. He's already said he's going to use normal people, but now he shows us how he's going to do it. So they are 5,000 people out there, and people now are hungry, and how are they going to be fed? What happens? There's a little boy. A mom decided to pack lunch for her little boy, two fishes and five loaves of bread. Young boy. He then gets brought to Jesus. And this, by the way, this is how we change the world. He brings it to Jesus, two loaves, sorry, two fishes, five loaves of bread, and he hands it over to Jesus. What does Jesus do? He's like, thank you very much. I'm going to bless it. And then he hands it out to all the people, all 5,000 get fed, and then 12 baskets full of stuff gets left over. So the new order is you, whatever you have, you just bring it to Jesus. Jesus is going to bless it and he's going to change the world with it. Now you're thinking, hey, I'm my little family, my little gifts. Oh, I don't have this or I'm still struggling with anxiety. Or I'm still this and I'm so depressed and I don't know where I'm going. I, I don't get good marks at school. Or what's happening? Just two fishes, five loaves of bread. Just hand it to Jesus. Lord, I, I don't have any friends. Lord, but I have, I have one friend. 
but he doesn't want to be my friend. Two loaves of two fishes, five loaves of bread. So it goes from that small amount of food to feeding 5,000 people in a moment. Because the, the kingdom doesn't work, the investment into the kingdom doesn't work according to normal econo- economy rules. It doesn't follow the principles of this world. It gets escalated. It's exponential because of Jesus' blessing. So this is the new, new order that he's establishing. Whatever you have, just bring it to Jesus. Let him bless it. Let him dish it out. Don't be scared to let go of it. Don't think, oh, maybe I'm not going to get, maybe my mom's going to be mad at me for giving away my food. I remember when I, we just got married, so uh, first couple of years before we got kids, Cornell would actually give me, put food into my little course bluggy for that. And then, uh, and then sometimes I would just forget, literally just forget to eat at work. So I'd bring back the course bluggy at night and then she would be mad at me for, for that. So don't, don't think that somehow you're going to lose if you hand it over to Jesus. But then there's another story in chapter 8, at the end of the section that we're reading, where Jesus feeds 4,000. And there's something really significant that we need to understand here. The 4,000 is, is probably a group of Gentile, Gentiles. That there would be some Jews, but Jesus teaching Gentiles because at that stage, there were also Gentiles that were following him, not only Jews. So not like Moses that only fed the Jews. Jesus now comes and he is feeding the Gentiles too. And then seven baskets full of stuff gets left over. And what does the, the, the number seven represent? It's complete. So what Jesus is saying, say, hey, I'm feeding the Jews, and I'm feeding Gentiles. In other words, I want to feed the whole world. And now the Gentiles is also completed. They are, they are grafted into this idea of where my assignment. They are grafted into this. They are part of the plan. And then we see the chapter 7, 24 and 30, another story that, that paints this picture of Jesus not only coming for the Jews, but also for, for, for the Gentiles. There's a Syrophoenician woman can you, can you say that? Syrophoenician. There's a Syrophoenician woman. Syrophoenician. Is that how you pronounce it? Thanks, Luke. That's why we have an English guy on staff. There's a Syrophoenician woman, and she comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, my daughter has a demon. And then Jesus says, it's not right for me to hand the bread that's for the children, hand it over to the dogs. So Jesus literally calls this woman a dog. How offensive. Kind, meek Jesus says, this woman is a dog, but listen to the faith of this woman. Then she replies, she says, yes, but even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall to the ground. And then the Bible says, Jesus loved the response, and he says, go home. And when she arrives home, her daughter gets delivered of this demonic force. Imagine that. So in this moment, while we were praying for somebody, some of the friends that you were praying for got delivered of demons, probably. That's the kind of faith that we, we can have. There, there was a Syrophoenician woman. She wasn't even included in the covenant, but she came to Jesus with a little bit of faith. 
and wit. And her daughter got delivered. Can you see the new order now is being established? What is God doing? How is He wanting us to go about establishing His kingdom? And then He also does some other cool stuff that reminds the Jews, His followers of Moses. He walks on water. Moses had to go through the water. The water had to depart before the Israelites, before they can go through through the Red Sea. But Jesus says, hey, let's, let's not take that route. Let's not wait for the water to separate. Let's just walk on water. And then he calls Peter, and, and Peter's also included in that. So, and even Peter then walks on water. In, uh, in chapter 6, 53 to 56, it talks again of these people that are coming to Jesus, just wanting to touch him, because they know the moment they touch him, that they would get healed. In the old covenant, if you are touched by a leper, you are unclean. In other words, you are unfit for worship. When you touch somebody with blood flowing, you are unfit for worship. When you touch a dead person, you are unfit for worship. Jesus is turning that whole thing on his head and he's saying, listen here, I'm sending you out and you need to touch people. You need to touch people. Lay your hands on the sick and they will get healed. You can see how contrary to to Jewish belief, that is. It's a new order. It's, it's so much greater than the previous order. You touch the dead person and he will get resurrected. It was unheard of by a, for a Jewish priest to go and touch a dead person, to go and touch a, a leper. It's unheard of. And then in uh, chapter 7, 1 to 22, he also starts change their thinking about the commandments. Seven verse seventeen, let's read. After he had left the crowd and he entered the house, his disciples asked him about his par- about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? So think of of them touching the dead person, touching the, the defiled object. For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomachs. And he then, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So if somebody is telling you, you're not allowed to eat this kind of food, this kind of food, because it's not biblical, you can show them the scripture. I'm not talking about healthy food. I'm not talking about less sugar. Those are... There's a part of stewardship. I'm talking about, hey, you're not allowed to eat bacon. That's what I'm talking about. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Because in the old order, they wanted to show off their religion. They wanted to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They wanted to show to people, portray to the world, we are so holy. We're not going to eat this. We're not going to work on the Sabbath. And then Jesus said, hey, but that's, that, yes, those things, are, those things are great. And those things were, were part, of, part of the law and you need to follow them. But I'm going to start introducing you to why I came. And why I came is to, I came for your heart. I want to start getting into your heart because it's actually the more important thing is to look at 
what is on the inside. Because it's the stuff that comes out to the outside that defiles you. It's what you do that defiles you with your mouth. It's when you get involved in the wrong stuff that defiles you from your heart. So I'm coming and I want to help you to be set free in the area of your heart. It's not only about the rules and the laws. It's about your heart. Because I want to connect with you in a relationship and I want your heart. You can do all the right things. You can read your Bible. You can come to church. You can worship Jesus. You can sing out loud. You can put on your Instagram account, great profile, scripture verse there. Hey, but if, if it's not in your heart, then you're missing the point. That's not the, the world, the new, new order. He's saying, I want your heart. And then at the end of chapter 7, he comes to a mute and deaf person. And this person obviously gets healed because he comes to Jesus. That's the great thing. Everybody that came to Jesus got healed or delivered. And then Jesus, in, in verse 34, he uses this word. He says, Ephatha. Ephatha. Don't you know what that means? You guys don't know. You don't have never heard of Ephatha. It's there in the scripture. It means to open up. Be open. And obviously this person I can see and he's healed and everything. So, and, and what Jesus, why Jesus did all these miracles is because he really died for our body, soul, and spirits. That he came for everything, every part of you. Your bodies also resemble the image of Jesus. That's why we need to take care of our bodies. If you're not a good steward of your body, you're not, you're not a good Christian. Because you should take care of your body. That's part of Christianity. So, but also it is another meaning. So God, did, Jesus did a lot of miracles where he healed people. Why? Because that will also then open up people to the spiritual reality. He would, it would manifest in the natural so that people would understand it in the spiritual. And if Father, where he's saying, if Father is not only for the eyes to open up, it's also for us to open up to the revelation that he is bringing. This new kingdom, this new king. Because if you read the scripture, and especially in Mark, you'd see there's a lot of different responses to Jesus. His family thinks he's crazy. The demons think he's says he's the son of God. The Pharisees wants to kill him. There's a lot of different responses. So Jesus is saying, If Father, open up your eyes to who I am. Open your, up your eyes to the kingdom. Open up your eyes to the resources that I've given you. And I think the biggest unbelief in our day and age is not the unbelief that is caused by sin, by pornography, masturbation, sexual immorality, corruption, all of, all of that. That brings in unbelief. I, and I hate those things. In this church, we say not only is sin, it's not only wrong, but it's stupid because you're just messing up with the most important relationship. You're messing the most important relationship up. Why would you do that? I think the biggest unbelief is us not understanding that we are called for this. That if Jesus says, I'm going to give you the Spirit, and by the way, it's Pentecost Sunday, I'm going to give you my Spirit. 
And if you read scripture, you see that it's the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. So I'm going to give you all of the power, all of who I am. If you look at Jesus' ministry also, where did it start? After he received the Spirit. He got baptized and then he received the Spirit and went into the desert and then his ministry started. So I'm going to give all of me and I'm going to make a way for you to receive all of me. And then you still say, no, I can't do it. And you still say, I'm insignificant. And you still say, I won't be able to change the world. Now you still say, I can't be a good husband. Now you still say, I can't be changing my, my friend's life. You still say that. No, that's unbelief. That is a lie that you believe in. I want the band to come up. And I'm going to ask Pete just to come and share his story. That will shake your unbelief. This is so radical. It's going to shake your unbelief completely. Okay. We serve an amazing God. Um, I got married to Des about 16 years ago. And we went into the marriage knowing physically... It is impossible to have children. Um, Des was very sickly as a child. Um, from the age of about six through to her 20s, she had been to doctors. She had been to specialists. And early 20s, she had lapar uh, laparoscopy where they actually make an incision and they insert a camera. And um, the result of that was that she had uh, no womb. She had no reproductive organs. And um, they basically told her she would never have, be able to have children. So we went into marriage with that. And um, January 2007, uh, about 20, uh, 18 months or so into our marriage, um, there's, I'd get home now. We were look, looking after three parents at that stage. Um, Des is a woman who can take the punch. But suddenly I'd get home and she would be out on the bed. And uh, at that stage, I thought I was losing her. Um, because of all, uh, going to doctors and specialists, she had an absolute phobia about it, said, I'm not going. And um, the only thing that I could do is I said, well, I'm going to start at a point with a process of elimination. And if I can't find out what's wrong with you, then we're going to have to go to the doctor. Um, in marriage, there are certain places where you just know with your spouse, you just don't go there. And children was one of the places, it was a, a, a part of days where she absolutely um, yearned to have a child, but she knew it was impossible. So you just didn't go there. Um, she told me, well, I can feel movement. I'm sure I've got worms. Just get me some medication for worms. And um, I came back with a pregnancy test, which <laughs> it took a lot of persuasion, um, but eventually Des did the test. And um, to both of our surprise, the second line appeared. And um, now we had to tell Des's mom, who was staying with us, and she called herself a Rottweiler with lipstick. 
Um, uh, so um, we had to now decide who's going to tell her. So, of course, um, we eventually stepped out. She had gone through the whole process since child, childhood with Des to the doctors and specialists. And when she heard the pregnancy test shows positive, she was um, enraged because she knew physically it's not possible. Um, the following day, we went for um, a pregnancy test, a blood test, and they showed uh, five to eight weeks. Um, then we went to see Brian and Trish Elliott. Um, they were our pastors at, those, at that stage. They prayed with us, and they said, well, a good doctor is Dr. Fellimer. They said she didn't want to go to a, man, um, a male doctor. Um, she wanted a woman doctor, but eventually just decided, well, we've got to make the appointment. We arrived for the appointment the next day, and the receptionist said, well, I'm sorry, but Dr. Fe uh, Dr. Falskink is not in, um, but Dr. Conradi is available. A woman doctor. We stepped in there, and it's a woman doctor. Um, God took care of all the finest details. Um, uh, Dr. Conradi, who we've seen at Shofar, um, uh, she did a physical on Des. And didn't say very much, but said, we need to get you to a gynae as fast as possible. Within an hour and a half, we were in Dr. Fellimer's office, and they, he spent a little bit more than an hour doing um, a sonar on Des. And um, <clears throat> yeah, after, after, the, um, after the hour, um, hour had passed. Now, that morning before we went for the sonar, or to Dr. Um, Conradi, Des and I went through, um, we read about Abraham and Rebecca and Hannah and then Elizabeth in the New Testament and um, kind of read they all had boys. And so we, we were now in Dr. Philema's office and um, after about an hour, he switched the speaker on. <clears throat> Jana basically totally lost it and he said, you have a perfectly formed 21-week-old baby boy um, in your womb. <clears throat> About three weeks later, Dr. Conradi phoned Des and said, well, we've just got off the, um, I've just got off the phone with Dr. Fellimer, and all we can put your pregnancy down to is a miracle of God. So we give him all the glory. God, what we really learned from that is God touches ordinary people in extraordinary ways. That is, that is absolutely crazy. That is crazy. No woman. There's Etienne. Uh, there's the miracle. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. My son, do you guys also want to share this thing? Cool. Isn't that just amazing? Like, the proof is in the pudding right there. That's just flipping awesome. Um, I have a similar story. Um, obviously, I don't have children, but uh, <laughs> I was similar to Etienne. I was that baby. Um, essentially, what happened was I was born in Olivedale Clinic in Johannesburg, but it wasn't really as smooth as that. So, you see... What happened was the doctor came in with three different diagnoses 
as the pregnancy progressed. And the first was that there was no development of me as an embryo. And they said, look, really sorry, but we're going to have to do an abortion. My mom's like, heck no, I've been carrying something in here. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep waiting. And they prayed and they put their faith in God. And they said, Lord, we don't understand what's going on, but we're going to keep trusting. So the doctor said, okay, cool. Let's, let's leave it a week or so and we'll see. The next diagnosis comes back. Sorry, the baby is brain dead. It's going to be a vegetable forever. If it even gets born, that's the news. My parents look at each other. They're like, look, the first, the first thing was the baby wasn't developing. At least now it's kind of developing. So let's just keep trusting God. A couple of weeks go by again. The third diagnosis comes and the doctor says, I'm really sorry, but your baby has tested positive for Down syndrome. Okay, so this is where it gets crazy. My parents had the choice. Okay, are they going to do an abortion or are they going to trust God and say, Lord, regardless of what you give us, we're going to honor you. We're going to trust you. And even if it is a Down syndrome, we are going to love this baby. We're going to trust that you are going to move through this child. And so I was born and I don't think I'm a Down syndrome. (laughs) But I just want to say, like, there was also a level of faith involved, similar to Pete's story, where he went and bought the pregnancy device. That's faith. That's crazy. Same with my parents. They could have just been like, oh, man, this is so sad. Well, you know, next time. But they persisted. They got word. They prayed. They were on, obviously, WhatsApp wasn't around back then, but they had prayer groups going. And they got word. And they actually, they prayed scripture over me that I will be born and that God will rejoice and people will know that God is real. So, my testimony is similar to that. Like, hey, what if God does it? And maybe you're trusting God for a miracle that's not something like, like being born. <laughs> but maybe it's like, hey, I've got cancer. Or, hey, I have some stomach illness. Or I have some shoulder pain. And a lot of people are like so scared to pray for it because what if it doesn't happen? But what if it does? What if God does show up? Imagine that. So tonight, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> but I'm just excited because when we're in a room like this and we hear stories like this, you can just look at it and be like, oh, that's, that's really cool. Anyway, I wonder what I'm doing later tonight. Or you can be like, wow, God, like, he did a miracle. Etienne was born. <laughs> I was born. Like, praise Jesus. Like, these things can happen. So I just want to stir your faith tonight. Like, don't just listen to a cool story. Like, let's get excited. Maybe someone tonight gets healed of cancer. What would that look like? So yeah I, just, yeah, I just hope you guys can come behind this message of, hey, Jesus is real. He did these things in the Bible, but it's still happening today. So let's get excited. Amen. So who of you've physically experienced a, a miracle in your body? Who of you've, okay, raise your hands very high. Raise it very high. And then look, look around, okay? God's still doing. There, Michaela, there at the back, very similar story. She was also supposed not to, do, to be brain dead, close to brain dead. And she's now going to be a medical doctor soon. Amen. And it's, it, has, it has to do with faith. But my son's saying it's true. There's something that we need to give. We need to bring that seed to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want to I see this. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we first, and it's, this is actually, that's, healing is actually supposed to be very easy. It's basically inviting the healer into the room and saying, Lord, you come and do this. Because I cannot do this. 
The difficult part is to say, Lord, I'm going to get over my pride. I'm going to confess my unbelief. I'm going to confess my insecurity or even the fear. What if it doesn't happen? But like my son said, what if it happens? Are we going to give glory to God through miracles that, we want, that we're seeing? Yes, we're going to give glory to God. So I want you to close your eyes and we're just going to, we're going to repent of our unbelief. There's a reason why Jesus did so many miracles. It's because He wanted to show His love to the world. And by them experiencing and seeing the miracles, it would open up the door for them to see Jesus as the King of Kings. It would open up the door for them to receive salvation, eternal salvation, eternity with Him. So, Lord, we... We come and we repent of our unbelief. Just say amen to that. Lord, we repent of our unbelief. We say, sorry, Lord, we have neglected to pursue you for the miraculous because we, we believed rather in the, in the pill or in the science, Lord. But we, we now confess that we have come to the end of ourselves, to the end of science. There's no room, there's no nothing left for us to take hold of except of your grace and of what you've done in the cross, Jesus. And we just say, sorry, but also, Lord, we want everything that you have for us. We want to make known everything that Jesus died for on the cross in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit in this room. The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in this room, Lord. Thank you that we can celebrate Pentecost when, when that Spirit was poured out on all flesh, Jesus. So now the next thing we're going to do is we're going to stand up and we're going to see Jesus moving into this place. And there's, there's faith involved. Do I see Jesus walking the aisle with my physical eyes? No. Can I see Him with the eyes of my spirit? Yes. So what are you going to do when Jesus moves through the aisles? What are you going to do? How are you going to celebrate the King? What faith will you apply? Will you be like the, that Syrophoenician woman saying, Lord, I... I feel and I sense it looks like a no, but I'm going to go one more time. Heal my daughter. Because I know that you can do it. Okay, so let's extend our hands. Let's put our hands up. And we're just going to worship Jesus. Let's just worship Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.